The Adam Crowley Show. Oh, no, 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 no. On ESPN Pittsburgh, the iHeartRadio app. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Adam's not here. I am Rob Rossi. I meant that as I am here, period. I should have paused and said Rob Rossi. But it's also true that I am Rob Rossi. And as Rob Rossi, I'll say, head on down to the Carson City Saloon. Get an hour left to get your drink specials. $2 drafts. There's a good crowd building up here, enjoying some of those $2 drafts. And a $5 app special. I just had the deep-fried pierogies. They were fantastic. They were to taste what the bullpens and the Pirates Tigers season opener has been to an eptitude. So get on down here. This hour of the Adam Crowley Show is brought to you by Le'Veon Bell, blaming people for his problems since we've known him. Le'Veon Bell. If you got a problem, he won't solve it. Check out the hook. While we send him out of town forever and hope to not hear from him again or see him play in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform in 2018. We're still working on that lyric. Love Bell is taking a curious approach by saying that he's being cast as a villain in this wonderful play we call life. Now, here's the thing about Le'Veon Bell. I wonder if he realizes that he plays in the same town, the very same town where a certain Sidney Patrick Crosby took the butt end of a stick last night and responded to it by not pouting or blaming or accusing, but simply going out and taking action into his own hands. And you know what Sidney Crosby isn't on? Twitter. I'm all for players speaking their mind. I'm all for players getting paid. But as I said at the beginning of the Adam Crowley show, and we'll say again, you have some nerve, Le'Veon Bell. You have some gall. Who in the Sam beep do you think you are telling fans of the flagship NFL franchise of the Super Bowl era that they're casting you as a villain? Them? The ones that buy your jersey? The ones that stood by when you selfishly committed acts that led to your suspension from the team for periods of two seasons? The ones that did not condemn you when you sat out an entire training camp? You did not grace the Steeler Nation at the most sacred ground to said nation which is St. Vincent of Latrobe. The place where Franco Harris trained. The place where Rocky Blyer, after he came back from war, trained. The place where Jerome Bettis trained. Willie Parker trained. If they took a handoff from the Steelers, 
Like after 1970, they trained there. And you, Merrill Hodge, before he beat cancer, trained there. And you, Le'Veon Bell, you think you're being cast as the villain when you didn't even show up. Not even a courtesy. Hey, I'm not going to practice, but I'll come here and sign autographs. For some Steeler fans, that's the closest they'll ever get to meeting their heroes. You're the villain? How many Steeler fans, Le'Veon Bell, put themselves through the abject misery that is listening to one of your rap songs? I did not think it possible for a Pittsburgh Steeler of repute to have a more ignominious exit from the franchise than did James Harrison, who by all accounts was a lousy teammate in his final year with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then, then, then went and tried to chase a ring with the New England Patriots, proving himself to be, if nothing else, a shameless frontrunner. But congratulations, Le'Veon Bell. You seem to be doing Debo one better, or in this case, worse. You're being cast as the villain? By whom? Who is casting you as anything? My goodness, stop being a snotty little teenager and start acting like a man. You're going to make a lot of money to play football this year. And I hope that you get every dime you're seeking and that All of them are guaranteed from some team next year. But please, spare me the pity party. You want to be a hero in this town? Start a charity. Mario Lemieux's a hero. His charity's put $25 back into cancer research. Playrooms for sick children's. Donate money to local police officers like Ben Roethlisberger. Involve yourself in the community like Jerome Bettis. Do it all privately without slapping your name on anything like Art Rooney Sr. or Dan Rooney, rest their souls, or Art Rooney II. Act like you've been there before, like the late Chuck Knoll said. I'm sorry, Le'Veon Bell, you got it all wrong. You're not the villain. The fans of these Pittsburgh Steelers will not think you the villain. They will think you nothing. A nobody. A never was. A numbers crunching couldn't get it done in the big games. A great regular season player who never delivered what you're expected to deliver in Pittsburgh. And you're not expected to deliver social media relevance, Le'Veon Bell. You're not expected to deliver in any way, shape, or form other than the shiny silver football atop that peculiar posting, what we call 
the Vince Lombardi Trophy. There's six of them. If you're fortunate enough to walk past the display at the Steelers Southside headquarters again, I hope you also take a look to your left and see all the Pittsburgh Steelers rosters of teams that have won the AFC Championship. There have been eight of them. And you know what they have in common, Le'Veon Bell? They don't include you. You're the villain? I'm sorry. In Pittsburgh, we reserve villainry for people of consequence historically. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are villains. Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs are villains. The Dallas Cowboys are villains. You're just a running back. A great running back. Maybe the best running back in the National Football League. But you're just a running back who wants to be paid like he invented the concept of catching footballs out of the backfield. As if that's never happened before Le'Veon Bell did it. As if Roger Craig didn't once or twice catch footballs as from the running back position. As if Thurman Thomas didn't do it. As if Marshall Falk didn't do it. And you know what they all did? They all played in the Super Bowl. Now, you could argue they had better teams, but did they? Because you got a Hall of Fame quarterback, and you got a Hall of Fame wide receiver, and you got a great offensive line, and you got one of the winningest coaches in the history of the National Football League in terms of winning percentage. You darn sure got a franchise that knows how to win because since the merger, nobody's won more regular season games or playoff games than the Pittsburgh Steelers. So what's the equation here, Le'Veon Bell? What's the math add up to for you? Very few playoff moments. He had that great game in Kansas City, and that was fantastic. You know what would have been more fantastic? Telling people you were injured so that the Steelers could have prepared differently for the AFC title game against New England. No. You're selfish, Le'Veon Bell. You may not think so, but you are. Every action points to that selfishness. And I'm fine, as should anybody be, when that selfishness is directed at the team because of a contract negotiation, when that selfishness is directed at teammates. But when you start calling out people that live here, look, I've had my problems with Pittsburghers. Lord knows they haven't always loved me. But you know what, Le'Veon Bell? Here's the difference between me and you. When I've been the villain... I own it, brother. When Penguin fans wanted me tarred, feathered, and put on a stake, I didn't run from it. I wasn't afraid of it. And I didn't call them names. I didn't cast aspersions to their character. Pittsburgh sports fans are many things, Le'Veon Bell. Not all of them are great. 
But one thing Pittsburgh sports fans aren't are easily eager to denounce great players. This is as great a city as there does exist for a great elite athlete to play in. Ask Mario. Ask Sid. Ask Joe Green. How in the name of insert random Pittsburgh Steelers Hall of Fame player here could Le'Veon Bell look Joe Green in the eye and not feel shame? You think they're making you the villain? You're making yourself a story and you can't stop or you won't stop. So it's my sincere hope that the Pittsburgh Steelers stop. Stop with this ridiculousness that this can work anymore. You want to move on. That's the only logical way for a person to think about your behavior, Le'Veon Bell. The only logical way to think about your behavior is that you don't want to be part of the Pittsburgh Steelers anymore, which is fine. You're entitled to that opinion, to that want. But let me tell you, with as much conviction as you tell people you're being made a villain, let me tell you, Le'Veon Bell, you won't be a villain on the way out of town. You won't be anything. You'll be the guy they replaced with somebody else. You won't be missed like Troy Polamalu. You won't be appreciated afterwards like Ben Roethlisberger. You'll just be that running back that got replaced by another running back. And that other running back won't be as good as you. Won't be as explosive as you. Won't catch the ball out of the backfield like you. But you know why that other running back will be beloved? Because you've somehow sought turning the Steeler fans against you. Because you live on the bubble Twitter. And on the bubble Twitter, everything's about you. And here's what I'll say to that, Le'Veon Bell. It's been over 10 years since the flagship franchise of the Super Bowl era has won the game that matters in Pittsburgh. And the game that matters in Pittsburgh is the one that gets you to the Super Bowl. And the last I checked... In your entire tenure with the Steelers, you've played a series in that game. And if you're a villain for anything, it's for not delivering more when the Steeler fans really wanted to see you shine. The free Movie Friday program with Adam Tickets is back. They want to give you a chance at free movie tickets so you better text them now. You better text them the word BURGER, that's B-U-R-G-E-R, to A-T-O-M-1, that's the number one, for your chance to win. The Adam Tickets app is where you can browse movie titles, buy tickets, invite friends, pre-order concessions, all from your phone, and all to skip the lines. 
That's the free Movie Friday program from Adam Tickets. It is back. Just text B-U-R-G-E-R to A-T-O-M-1 to get in on that Adam action. When we come back, my good friend and colleague, Justin Labar. We're going to talk a little wrestling, speaking of villains. This is the Adam Crowley Show, ESPN Pittsburgh. Welcome back. Maybe on Bell thinks he's a villain. I know something about villainy. So does my next guest. He actually plays one in his downtime. Welcome to ESPN Pittsburgh and the Adam Crowley Show once again. My good friend Justin Labar. Follow him on the Twitter machine at Justin Labar. Follow his Trib Live High School Sports Network, which is doing some revolutionary things in the market for prep sports. If you're a fan of high school sports, check that out. Also, check out Justin's wrestling analysis at wrestlinginc.com. Justin, good Friday to you. Good Friday to you. So, Levy, I want to talk to you a little bit before we get into WrestleMania. Justin, I I, uh, I want to ask your thoughts on this from a wrestling perspective, even though it delves in the world of the National Football League. You have to own a character to have it be successful. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So, if Le'Veon Bell's claiming people are turning him into the villain but trying to get babyface sympathy, what is he doing wrong? Uh, in the words of uh, George Carlin and Dogma, you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, uh, you're leading on the point. You know, he, you got you to gotta own it one way or the other. You can't, uh, you can't uh, cheat when the ref's not looking. Uh, and then expect to, you know, to get to get the old boo-hoos, you know, for for Le'Veon. You know, I mean, I'm using wrestling analogy here. Yeah, it, I, it's funny you brought it up because I, you know, loosely following the story just as a just as a citizen of Pittsburgh, not even as a Steelers fan. Uh, you know, it's got it's got it's got WWE and pro wrestling written written all over. But I can just tell uh, he has nobody like a Paul Heyman. He has nobody like a Vince Man in his corner advising him how to uh, to handle this. Justin. You are a guy who's lived here a long time, but you're not bored in the area. And I, I want your opinion on this. I've said, look, I've I've had my goes with the Pittsburgh fan base, but one thing I would never say they are is quick to turn one of their own into a villain unless that athlete asks for it. I don't know them to be that type of fan. They tend to be apologists for their great players, not quick to cast them in a bad light. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Pittsburgh fans sometimes are their own fault. Uh, in addition to being very spoiled, uh, especially in the football and hockey uh, sports, I, in addition to being very spoiled, they, they are sometimes too forgiving to a fault. Justin Labar, my guest here on the Adam Crowley Show. I'm Rob Rossi, filling in for Adam. Justin, of course, you know him, you love him, you want all of them. Not just more, all of them. You can find his stuff at Wrestling Inc. and also at Justin Labar on the Twitter machine. All right, Justin, we're uh, yeah, we're about a week out from Mania, give or take. Um, 
It's going to be a really interesting card, and I want your opinion on this from this perspective. There are not a lot of singles matches on this card. At least the ratio is certainly, it seems like for every singles match, we're going to have a multi-person match. As a, as a follower of the industry, sell me on why I should be excited for that when I'm already dreading the six-plus-hour commitment I feel like I'm going to have to make next Sunday? Well, I, I'll say this. At least the amount of multi-man uh, matches you have, I mean, there, there's no shortage of talent. It's not like WWE is trying to get everybody on the card, uh, and there is a lot of uh, facts, so to speak. I mean, this right now, this might be one of the best top-to-bottom rosters that uh, WWE has had, um, you know, the, 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 dare I, you know, back until the, some of the glorious days of the late 90s and early 2000s, they, they've really done a, a phenomenal job with acquiring some of the best talent in the world, like the AJ Styles and Kevin Owens and, and such, and then they've, um, they've found talent from all walks of life, some of which, you know, didn't have a, a one massive experience, uh, most notably a Braun Strowman. So, you know, they, and then, then you have the John Cena and Undertakers and, and veterans that are in the mix. So, uh, I mean, this is a this is a top to bottom. If you really look at the names, you just list the names, never mind what match they're in. Top to bottom, the list of names, this might be one of the most stacked WrestleManias we'll ever see, uh, at least taking into consideration where we think some of these names, again, like a Braun Strowman, uh, are going to end up, you know, once their career is done, uh, hopefully many years away. So, you know, I, I guess that's, that's my pitch to somebody is, yes, there's going to be 14 matches. Yes, you're going to have to take a lot of uh, bathroom and uh, beverage breaks to, to get through this one, uh, but you will be seeing uh, quite the lineup. Justin Labar, my guest here on ESPN Pittsburgh. You know Justin as the preeminent wrestling voice of his generation, one of the best wrestling voices of any generation. Follow him on Twitter at Justin Labar. Listen to his podcast on the Pittsburgh Podcast Network. I know if you follow Justin on Facebook or Twitter, he tweets out the links to that, so please check that out. You know, Justin, it's weird. It's a 14-match card, and there's a lot of matches I'm looking forward to, and yet I already have this fear that some of the matches I want to see most aren't going to have a lot of time to work. I'm speaking about AJ Styles and Nakamura. I wonder how they're how long they can let a, you know, quadruple threat match for the U.S. title, all of which involves guys that I like. Um, it's a weird dynamic mania because it's it's a mainstream show that almost seems like it exists to infuriate at times hardcore wrestling fans. How have you seen it grow in that area over the years? Well, uh, yeah, you're right. That, that is a very it's an interesting talking point because um, you know, WrestleMania was WrestleMania has, has, has grown to a point to where it's now, you know, being picked up, you know, by ESPN, being picked up by a lot of mainstream outlets, um, you know, leading up to and then the day after. But, and, and, and a lot of the attractions are, are more often than not geared to appeal to a mainstream audience. You know, this year, again, a Ronda Rousey coming in and, and even, even to an extent Brock Lesnar, who's uh, probably on his way back to the UFC. But it's, it's the dedication of the hardcore fans that keeps it selling out before any matches are announced. I mean, in November, the tickets go on sale, and rarely is a match announced by then, and it sells out literally on the day of. Which, so it, 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 they found this bizarre 
uh, they found this bizarre relationship of being able to get, you know, seventy to eighty thousand people each year to, to 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 buy all the tickets up in November before having even announced any matches. So uh, I mean, it, it's quite an accomplishment, really, when you think about it. Um, and I don't I don't see that changing. I don't see I don't I don't see that becoming anything that's going to be endangered anytime soon because each year. The spectacle proves to be the spectacle. Sure, there's some matches that aren't as great as others, and sure, they some things get shortchanged on time. But really, I can't say in the last, um, you know, the better part of the last decade, I really can't say there's been a WrestleMania where, you know, overwhelmingly people are walking out disgruntled. They might be caught up in the in the, in the, in the, in the storyline and say, oh, that, that they really should have done this with this guy or or this or that. But um, they got their money for it, so yeah, that, that's what obviously matters. Justin, you mentioned Ronda Rousey. I want to get into that with you because she's certainly the, in terms of the fresh faces, the mainstream uh, attraction on this. And yet, I'm thinking if you've not watched anything leading up to WrestleMania or you're a casual fan and only been paying attention, you're very excited. But I'm not sure that's the case as much if you've been watching Raw the past few weeks. Uh, she seems uncomfortable on the mic. She seems to not really understand what her character needs to be. I'm not saying these as criticisms. I'm saying these are totally expected uh, actions by her given her limited experience in this particular art form. That said, there's a lot of pressure on Kurt Angle, who has not wrestled on this stage in a long time, Triple H, who's a you know once or twice a year performer basically, and Stephanie McMahon, who's not a wrestler, to help her through what is going to be a high-profile spot. I can't think of another time in WrestleMania where you've had that a dynamic like this in such a marquee match. No, this is pretty unprecedented. Uh, but let me be clear, and everything you just said is valid in terms of. Uh, you know, Kurt hasn't been on the stage in a while, and, and Triple H is in, in, in a boardroom more than he has a ring, and Stephanie, of course, not a you know a, really a wrestler. Uh, but I will say, uh, despite all of those factual descriptions, uh, I think Ronda is probably as well insulated as you could make her for this stage. I mean, How so? sure, Kurt, you know, Kurt, you know, Kurt hasn't been at a WrestleMania uh, in over a decade, but. Um, you know, he, I, I, I just, I, I think, you know, I mean, you, you, you've interviewed Kurt, you know, we all, you know, we all have gotten to know him over years. He's just not somebody who's not going to show up on this big, big show. He might be in a massive amount of pain days and weeks after it. And he's probably, uh, you know, I, I hope he's, hope he's spending enough time with the family and the wife and the kids leading up to this. I'm sure he is training and preparing mentally, physically and whatever other, other way. Uh, he will not let this slip. Uh, Triple H, you know, he arrives, um, you know, always on these, these events. Stephanie, while she's not a trained wrestler, um, she's a McMahon, and a McMahon knows how to perform on these big stages. So uh, I, I think Ronda's going to be well insulated, and they're going to do everything they can to protect the investment that, that, that she is, um, and of course, you know, not not give her too much too soon. Basically, just letting her shine with a few big spots. Um, I know I was on a, a media call just a few hours ago with Triple H. In fact, uh, he joked how he. <laughs> He's getting ready to, you know, he's, he's trying to prepare himself physically for getting ready to get tossed around uh, by two of the world's best shooters. <laughs> so, um, you know, they're, they're going to do what they got to do to make sure that this, um, you know, again, you know, Stephanie Triple H were, were instrumental in being the ones who negotiated and signed Ronda Rousey. So um, they're not going to let, as, as, each, as, each, as, as they slowly take more control from, from, from Vince McMahon, um, you know, obviously a lot of eyes are heavily on them when they make business decisions. 
Uh, they've had a pretty good batting average with uh, some of the signings they've had and, and the success. Uh, so I don't see them taking this project any light, any lighter than anything else. They're going to make sure Ronda Rousey looks like the star that they want her to be. The great Justin Labar is my guest here on the Adam Crowley Show. I'm Rob Rossi filling in for Adam here on ESPN Pittsburgh. You can follow Justin at Justin Labar on the Twitter machine. Check out his podcast on the Pittsburgh Podcast Network. Justin, we still have not seen The Undertaker. I'm not sure that we will or won't, but in any case, does that have to be the last match at Mania, presuming we get some sort of um, interaction between him and John Cena? I think it has to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't. Uh, well, because I don't know how you can realistically expect anything else, anybody else, to follow he and Cena. I'm not saying, I mean, you know, look, Styles and Nakamura are probably going to go 30 minutes. It's going to be a, you know, the best work rate match. Meaning, you know, um, you know, the amount of moves and the sequence of moves and then the athleticism, you know, uh, and, and Ronda Rousey will be a spectacle. And right. Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns is going to be quick and hard-hitting. But this, this because of, of, of the names and because I think, just what I think, I don't know, I don't know The Undertaker personally, but I think this is the last match for The Undertaker. So I don't see how this is the first time and it's going to be the last time he and Cena have ever met at WrestleMania. They've only ever had one other pay-per-view match, I believe, too, and that was back in, I think, like, 03. So a lot has changed since 2003 uh, for their characters, respectively, and their, and their legacies. So I just don't see how you can ask anything to go on and follow this. Um, and I do, for the record, I do. I do think we're going to get an Undertaker sighting this Monday, the final Raw. I believe it's in Atlanta. Um, you know, the only other time the Undertaker's never appeared, well, there's, I guess there's two other times that he's never appeared, prior to a build to hit a tour WrestleMania match. One was back in 04 for WrestleMania 20 when he made the return back to the dead man character. Right. Um, and so that, all the, all the, all the spooky bells and whistles kind of sold it. And then in 2015, leading up to his match against Bray Wyatt, we did not see him at all. Um, but again, in that match, there was a lot of bells and whistles, you know, Bray Wyatt's rocking chair called on fly fire, all, all kinds of stuff like that. This, this build with Cena, Cena has been so good that he's been able to, keep people invested and, and, and mock The Undertaker and even bring a little bit of realism talking about The Undertaker's wife, which that really never, ever happens. So Cena has been able to carry it to this point, and he's even made jokes about, come on, give me give me some of the bells and whistles, give me lightning, give me a bell toll, and it hasn't happened. And because they've kind of comically labeled those Undertaker bells and whistles, I don't think we can get by with just having a bell and whistle this Monday. I think we have to see the man Undertaker appear um, and, that, and that's just, that, that's just that's absolutely needed. Every every other match sold. Every other match has had a lot of airtime. Ronda's been on a lot of Raws. Brock and Roman been on on Raws. We have to see Undertaker uh, at John Cena this Monday. I think that is critical. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating uh, Raw and a fascinating SmackDown with the Daniel Bryan situation. Justin, I can't remember the last time I've been this excited for a Mania, and that's saying something because I was pretty excited a year ago when I was about to see it with you. So we'll be following you on Twitter, at Justin Labar, at Wrestling Inc., and please be sure to check out, everybody, the uh, Trib Live High School Sports Network. Justin, thanks. Happy Easter to you, my friend. Thank you, Rob. All right. When we come back on the Adam Crowley Show with Rob Rossi filling in, it will be Adam Crowley. Go figure. ESPN Pittsburgh. So we've had a really fun time here at Carson City Saloon. Get down here. Uh, the happy hour specials go till 7 $2 drafts, $5 appetizers. 
And uh, it'll be a good place to hang out on Good Friday once you're down to stations and across and all that fun stuff. I want to say uh, a couple of serious thoughts here. Um, Jason Mackey, good friend of mine, uh, Penguins beat writer for the Post-Gazette, uh, lost his dad this week. Jim Rutherford, Penguins general manager, lost his mom. And I found out today that uh, Dan Hart with the Pirates uh, media relations staff lost his mother. Thoughts and prayers on this uh, Good Friday, this Easter weekend to Jason, Jim, and Danny. Uh, wish them all the best. Can't imagine what that's like to go through, especially this time of year. Okay, the Pirates win, by the way. I'm going to do my uh, first of what will be many Paul Bear impersonations to celebrate the Raise the Jolly Roger for the Pirates. We'll make you rest in peace. Adam Crowley joining his show now. Adam, welcome to your show. That was a wild swing of emotions just there <laughs> in that last 30 seconds, Rossi. How was the Mark Madden show, Adam? It's not as fun as this show. But yeah? We've had some... Adam, I have, I have, I have issued a scathing... Uh, what's the word? Scathing... Well, I've just been scathing towards Le'Veon Bell today. <laughs> so if you get any complaints, send them my way. Uh, so I wanted to have you on because, A, it's your show, and, B, you're always so gracious to let me fill in for you but i wanted to ask you this question because you know we talked a little bit about Le'Veon bell yesterday as i filled in for stan saverin and since then he's declared himself a villain which i've wondered can you declare yourself a villain like don't you have to actually be declared a villain not declare that people are declaring you a villain well, I would have thought that you'd have known better than anybody, Rossi. Well, I do, I but I've never named myself the villain. Yeah, People you have never done that came for out me. and said you were the villain. You just and I own it. The That's my problem with Le'Veon. Like, I, look, I'm a jerk. I don't know. I, I acknowledge that. I don't run from it. I feel like he's literally trying to cast aspersions on Pittsburgh fans, which I'm normally all for. But in this case, he's wrong, and he's being cowardly about it. Yeah, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain, and he didn't even have to live long to see himself be cast as the villain. He just needed to be a jackass for the last 12 months, and really 12 months plus. So this is all on him. I don't mind that he thinks he's valued at higher than any player in the history of the league at the position. I guess I get that because there's ego involved. Your brain's also turning to mush. He thinks he's that good. That's all fine. But when the league is not going to pay you that because it would be more than double what the next highest paid running back is going to get paid, you can't be asking for $17 million. And then you can't be going on the air, or pardon me, on Twitter saying, oh, they're all casting me in a bad light. Well, no, they're not. It's more just about the fact that you painted yourself into a corner. Adam Crowley, my guest on the Adam Crowley Show. Rossi, they know who I am. They know who I am. Okay. Um, Adam Here's the thing. I've been hard on Pittsburgh fans before, and I I will be in the future. But I will say this. Pittsburgh fans generally are enormously generous to their great players. Even to their players who aren't great. They do not seem very eager to cast them in anything but glorious light. So I think Le'Veon Bell is way off base here. I'm down with him wanting the most money he can get. 
I hope he gets it. I'm down with him having an issue about the negotiation. Anything he wants. But I'm sorry. I'm nothing if not truthful, even if it makes me unpopular. He's wrong here. Nobody has cast him as the villain. No. He's a guy who lives on social media and doesn't see beyond that bubble. If he went out into the real world, he would see nobody cares that much about this, let alone thinks negative of him for it. Excuse me. And the reality is, Rob, you've got to just be able to take those things. You've got to be able to let it slide off your back. You can't be the guy who's on Twitter 24-7 and then going to bitch and moan about the way that you're treated on Twitter when you're on there 24-7. You can't have it both ways. You can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. It's not all that surprising the way he's being treated because, fairly, uh, frankly, he deserves to be treated the way that he's being treated right now. Now, I mean, there are obviously limits there, but uh, if you're going to screw over the old black and gold, uh, you know that just as well as I do, that this town can turn quickly on you. Uh, we saw it with Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, Yamir Yager was one of the great players in this city's history, and they still boom when he comes around here, which is ludicrous. Uh, I think that this town is passionate as any in sports in terms of standing behind their athletes until things go sour. And then I think they're as, as vicious as any town in sports. I don't know. I don't know that any athlete in Pittsburgh's history, and I don't hesitate to say that, has invited it like Le'Veon Bell has. <laughs> no, no, he's doing the whole. Uh, he's basically Max Talbot right now, putting a shush over his mouth, right. uh, waving to the Philadelphia Flyers crowd, "Come get me, hate me, please." And I wonder, Adam, if he realizes, and this might be the most devastating thing for Le'Veon Bell that doesn't involve an injury that cost him ridiculous amounts of money is this this is not a fan base that is going to do anything but dismiss him and everything he accomplished here they're not going to think him the villain they're going to downplay his entire existence (laughs) they're going to say you never once got us to a Super Bowl. They're going to say you played like a series in the biggest game of your life instead of telling the team you were injured, you selfishly hid it from the team and ended up being a big reason the Steelers didn't get to a Super Bowl two years ago. They aren't going to think him the villain. They're going to think him nothing at all. Yeah, I think that's a really good point by you. And it started last year. Actually, it started a couple years ago when this writing was on the wall. But with D'Angelo Williams, ah, they're fine with D'Angelo. Actually, no, no, they're not. Ah, they're fine with James Conner. Well, no, actually, no, they're not. Uh, Those players combined, I don't think, could give you the production that Le'Veon Bell gives you over the course of a full season. Uh, Steelers fans are really good at it. The backup quarterback's always the guy who's going to lead you down the field and win a game, right? Uh, Antonio Brown, ah, shoot, just get rid of him. He's the guy who dances. He's the guy who films in the locker room. They'll find somebody to... Uh, replace his production with Ben Roethlisberger. Well, no, no, that's not the way it works. Uh, and you're right. I think that might happen more so than the viciousness. That's a really good point. How about that, Rob? Well, that is a good point. But I want to steer away from this viciousness talk and get into something that's of the utmost seriousness, Adam. And it, it to me, is at the very core of what you and I do when we are on the radio. And that is this. What is the best use of a dyed Easter egg? Anima? 
Wow, I didn't expect you to go there without a follow-up. Um, okay, explain. Well, you can, uh, it's not going <laughs> to break. It's not going to break when you stick it up there and the vinegar gets the things going. I mean, you really need to have any explanation there? You didn't stick Easter eggs up your butt when you were a kid? You know, we, we had very different childhoods. I keep trying to tell you that. Adam, when you think of Easter, do you think of chocolate, bunnies, or religious uh, celebrations? Uh, I'm brutal serious. murder. Uh, a brutal, brutal murder? murder is what I think of. Yes, who, who died? Uh, brutal murder. Uh, Jesus did. Okay, well, that, but yeah. I mean, uh, I mean that's you weren't there. You didn't see it. Uh, we're kind of going on. So, we're kind of going on hypothesis. I saw the passion. Okay. Okay. Wow, Mel you Gibson. did. Do you think that's, that's the greatest passion. comeback ever? Uh, Jesus raising from the dead. Yeah. Ah, uh, nah, Red Sox 04. Really? Yeah. You have the Red Sox in 04. Now, so does it go Red Sox 04, Jesus, Frank Reich led Buffalo Bills? Look, this might sound sacrilegious. But I don't think that Satan... I'm not sure uh, why, because you just declared the Red Sox rally ahead of Jesus well, rising from well, the dead, just, but yeah. Just, just listen here, because I, I don't think that the devil was all that big of a problem prior to Jesus' death. Big problem, sure, a little overblown. The Yankees, what they had done to the Red Sox for years, uh, they took Babe Ruth. I mean, for them to come back all the way from three games down to win that thing on an eclipse... I think that's uh, that's right up there. So, do you agree or disagree then? That Patriots in the Super Bowl, going back a couple of years when they uh, well, beat now the you Falcons. are now you are sounding sacrilegious. Yeah. So my question is, if Jesus had died in 2018, which side of the political aisle would have come down against resurrection? <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to ask me which side of the aisle uh, Jesus would have been on, because that would have yeah. been a pretty good debate, too. I, I and, think Jesus would be like, I'm not dying for these people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. In fact, I'm pretty sure we're not going to get saved in the rapture after this conversation. Oh, I, I had no chance anyway, Adam. But, hey, I wish you and yours a happy Easter, and uh, please uh, be careful with the eggs this year. Uh I, I did I did get a note from your wife that's saying it got a little uncomfortable last year with the whole enema thing. Yeah, I'm still picking out shells from my hair, but, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, that's one reason you probably don't do as many shows on Fridays as normal. All right, that's Adam Crowley. Uh, thank you, Adam. You can hear him Thanks, again though. on his show. Uh, I appreciate it. And by the way, before everybody starts railing at the radio station, in all seriousness, we were joking around. Uh, a very blessed and happy Easter to everybody out there. I'm a Catholic. I celebrate. I'm a, I'm a proud Catholic. So we were just having some fun. But let it be said, Adam Crowley's the one that thinks the Red Sox have the greatest comeback ever. I'm still in the camp of Jesus. And until somebody else can prove me they rose from the dead, I'm going with that. Besides, that Yankees bullpen was terrible after Rivera. So... All right. Uh, thank you to Justin Labar. Thank you to Chris Johnston. Thank you to Greg Wasinski. Thank you to Adam Crowley. Thank you for listening. I'm Rob Rossi. I'll catch you down the line. This is ESPN Pittsburgh.